Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning. It's good to see y'all. I want to uh, start this morning by asking you a question. Have you ever met an immature person? Now, when I say that, if the person you're sitting next to or your spouse is the first person that comes to mind, please don't point them out. I'm not preaching a message on marital counseling today. But we all known or have known someone who is immature. And the truth is that immature people are oftentimes very difficult to be around because their words or their actions are often very childish in nature. And this is, of course, unless we're watching immature people on television, specifically reality TV. Then immature people move from being someone who's very annoying to someone who's very entertaining. And such was the case this week as Don and I were watching House Hunters International on HDTV. And this particular episode featured the escapades of a 33-year-old young man who had decided that at 33 years of age, it was time to move out of his parents' basement and grow up and move to Australia without a budget or a job. Immaturity was on display throughout this entire episode, and to be honest, Don and I could not take our eyes off the screen as we watched this train wreck unfold before us. In fact, uh, as we sat there watching this happen, our mouths kind of aghast, all we could mutter back and forth was, oh my, oh my. And by the time this show had concluded, this young man had decided that the height of responsibility was to move into a bachelor pad with a roommate so that he could pursue his career as a musician playing in a garage band and continue surfing. Oh my, indeed. You see, immaturity and immature people abound in our culture. I mean, you don't have to watch TikTok videos or Instagram reels for very long to realize that that is the case. And unfortunately, that is also true in church as well especially when it comes to the issue of prayer. In congregations all across America, I believe that there are well-meaning believers who oftentimes are praying very fruitless and immature prayers, if they even pray at all. In fact, Pastor Jason, over these last few weeks, has done an incredible job of highlighting some of the very specific reasons why our spiritual growth is stunted in the area of prayer. Some of the things that he's talked about have been things like our perspective on prayer, a lack of an appropriate person to model prayer for us, or even misguided ideas when it comes to prayer. And unlike that unfortunate young man that I was watching on HGTV, a Christian who lives in perpetual immaturity in their prayer life is far from entertaining. In fact, I would submit to you this morning that a Christian who lingers in immaturity, who deals in perpetual immaturity in their prayer life, is detrimental, not only to themselves, but to others as well. 
And so this morning, I want to focus our attention on an area of prayer in which I believe immaturity abounds in the Christian life. Specifically, I want to talk about prayer in suffering. And when I say immaturity abounds in this area, I'm not only talking with regards categorically to the entire church, but you also need to know that I'm speaking specifically about myself as well. Because truthfully, when I encounter suffering in life, it's often that I don't know exactly how or what to pray in those moments. I wonder, do I pray Bible verses? When I'm suffering or feel pain in this life, do I fall back or offer Christian cliches like everything happens for a reason or it's all part of God's plan, brother? Do I pray for deliverance from my circumstances or do I pray for strength to persevere? Do I pray for understanding the why in the midst of why I'm suffering? You see, suffering for me has a unique way of drawing out or exposing some of my uncomfortableness with prayer, while at the same time reinforcing some of those immature attitudes and behaviors that already exist in my prayer life. There are just seasons and circumstances in life where I really wrestle with not knowing how or what to pray, especially when suffering is involved. Can anyone else relate to me on that this morning. And so, of course, we all can, we all experience different times in our lives when there has been pain that has left us either speechless or uncertain about how to talk to God. Maybe it was the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, a heartbreaking um, relationship that was dissolved, the betrayal of a friend, a terminal illness, or chronic pain, or in a prolonged season of stress or suffering in our life, and many other circumstances. And in those moments of suffering, when we have immaturity in our prayer life, it can begin to lead us down some very dark paths in our faith. We can end up in places where our faith is shipwrecked on beaches of bitterness, of anger, of resentment towards God? Or perhaps in those moments we turn to other things other than God to self-medicate and numb some of the pain that we feel. And perhaps worst of all, maybe in those moments we begin to doubt our faith. One of the hardest things that Jason and I have to deal with as pastors, one of the most heartbreaking things that we have to deal with as pastors, is watching people walk away from their Christianity in the midst of suffering. Thankfully, I believe that our Heavenly Father, gracious in wisdom and understanding, knew that this issue of prayer and suffering must be something that we as human beings would struggle and wrestle with. Because in his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses this very issue. And as he writes to the Corinthians, he not only gives them the promise of incredible hope in the midst of their suffering, but he also models for them what it means to pray with purpose in suffering. And so this morning, let's turn together, if you have your Bibles with you, either a physical Bible or on your phone, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
and discover what the Apostle Paul has to say about this very important issue. However, as you're turning there, it's important that at this moment I pause to give you a disclaimer. What we're about to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-7 through 7, is rated M.A. It's for mature audiences only. And I don't say that because Paul's words are explicit in content. But I say that to you this morning because what Paul is about to say has the power to begin to expose some of our immaturity and some of our self-centeredness and how we pray during seasons of suffering. I say this because I know personally this week, having studied this scripture, that the illuminating light of God shined directly on some of my own immaturity in my prayer life. And what that light revealed was not pretty, folks. And I'll share that with you in just a moment. So if you are interested in remaining comfortable in your prayer life, if you have no desire to be challenged in your prayers, especially in seasons of suffering, now is the time to start scrolling through your social media or perhaps take a 20-minute nap. But for those of you who are going to continue to listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say in this moment, consider yourselves appropriately warned. And so the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-7. through 7. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also, comfort, uh, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer, and our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Now, as we read that, in light of my earlier disclaimer, some of you might be thinking to yourselves that Paul's words here seem rather benign. After all, what's so dangerous or challenging about the idea of God's promise to comfort us when we're hurting, right? And for many, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is, feels like and sounds like a security blanket that soothes and swaddles us in our time of need, much less than a searchlight of truth that indicates or highlights some immaturity in our prayer life or a lack of praying with purpose when we are suffering. And that can be for a couple of reasons. Some of us might be in the middle of a difficulty or suffering right now as I speak. And so the words from 2 Corinthians are powerful to us as we hear that God promises to be near to us. However, for a majority of us in here, myself included, we typically read the Bible and verses like 2 Corinthians through a very individualistic and Americanized filter. As such, 
we often see ourselves either consciously or subconsciously as the center or the central figure of the gospel. Where our needs, where our wants, where our desires become the primary purpose of our spiritual pursuit. In other words, we make the gospel all about me. And instead, in doing so, we push God off to the side and reduce him to nothing more than a genie in a bottle whom we call upon when we need something. Perhaps even comfort in suffering. However, um, I would suggest this morning that as we routinely like to look at God and Scripture through our Americanized filter, it's important that we endeavor to routinely step back and view Scripture through the lens of a Christ-centered filter. And in doing so, we correctly place Jesus as the central figure of the gospel. And our, our, the fulfillment of our purpose as his followers is fulfilled when we love God with all our heart and when we love others as we love ourselves. And when we do that, you're going to notice something. You're going to notice that there is a lack of the words I and me in that description. And that is because over and over again, the Bible makes clear that our Americanized ideal of sanctified self-centeredness is a foreign invader to the gospel message. Because the Bible makes clear that it is a false prophet in our culture that preaches the worship of self and the pursuit of our needs as primary, whereas the gospel-centered, Christ-centeredness, preaches Jesus as Lord and Savior and puts the needs of others above our own. And so when we step back and we begin to look through a Christ-centered lens or filter at Scripture, specifically at verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the words of the Apostle Paul begin to take on a decidedly different flavor than perhaps when we first sampled them. Now, if you don't believe me, let me ask you a question just to drive home the point this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says that God comforts us so that we may comfort others. And then he models his teaching by praying specifically that God would use his suffering to help his friends in the Corinthian church. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to pause for just a moment and reflect with me. Reflect for just a moment on a recent season or time of struggle in your life, a period of suffering. Just pause and think about that. Maybe it's going on right now. Maybe it's something that you recently went through. And as you hold that memory in your mind, the question I want to ask you is this. When you were going through that season... What did your prayers sound like? What did your prayers sound like? At any point, did you find yourself praying like the Apostle Paul? Did you purposely ask and believe that God would use your calamity to bring comfort and salvation to those around you? Or perhaps were your prayers more inward-focused? 
petitioning God and pleading God for the removal and relief of the circumstances that you were currently facing? Did your prayer sound more like, God help, or did you pray, God help me so that I can help others? And how we answer that question, how we respond to that question, I believe reveals a lot about the depth and maturity of our prayers in suffering. Now, if you're sitting there and you're saying, ouch, it's okay. I'm not saying this to, uh, to push shame and guilt on you. That's not the purpose of my teaching this morning. I'm trying to highlight some areas of where we can grow spiritually. And I say that this morning to say that also you are in good company if you feel like that's something that you struggle with. Because for me, my season of suffering happened fall of 2021, just a few months ago. Jason and I, and indeed a lot of you sitting here, were just coming off a season where we were finishing this building. And it was a season filled with a lot of stress and a lot of drywall dust, more than any person should have to ever inhale. And as we concluded that season, Don and I were unexpectedly forced to move out of our home. My favorite dog of 14 years passed away. We tragically and unexpectedly lost a good friend. And to make matters worse, my marriage was struggling deeply. And what's funny, what's funny about that is, why are you laughing? Uh, what's funny about that is that I was recounting that this week, and as I was thinking about this, getting ready to teach this, I thought, God dang, my life in the fall of 2021 sounds a lot like the bad lyrics to a country music song, right? Like, all I need is for my truck to break down, and I've got the trifecta right there. But the truth is this, is that I can tell you in all sincerity that during that season, I prayed a lot. But I can also tell you that I, in that season, I prayed a lot for myself. I prayed a lot, and I prayed a lot for myself. Never once did I pray like Paul prayed in that moment, purposefully asking and believing that God would use and come and comfort me so that I may be a comfort to others. Oh, certainly I prayed, God comfort me, but me is where my prayers began and ended in that season. I prayed things like, God, deliver me. God, please heal me. God, please comfort me. And my prayers in that time were all inherently focused inward on my immediate self-preservation and relief from my circumstances and pain. They were inherently short-sighted and immature prayers. They lacked the maturity of purpose beyond seeing beyond my suffering. And a Christ-centered view of the gospel expands the purpose of our prayers from inward to outward. Let me say that again. A Christ-centered view of the gospel expands our prayers from inward to outward. So let's break down specifically what the Apostle Paul is saying in this text with regards to prayer and suffering. He begins his prayer in, in verse 3 by praising the God of all comfort. And the New Living Translation translates verse 3 this way. God is our merciful Father, the source of all comfort. 
Think about that for a moment. God is the source of all comfort. In other words, comfort is a facet of God's very nature and being. Comfort is who God is. Just as our God is the source of all power, just as our God is the source of all wisdom, just as our God is the source of all love, so too our God is the source of all comfort. And therefore, it's in this knowledge that Paul declares in 2 Corinthians that God freely offers His comfort to all who call on His name through Jesus Christ in every circumstance, in every trial, in every pain and suffering. That's why Psalms 34, 18 says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Comfort is part of God's nature. And because as Christ followers, we recognize that our God can not contradict himself. He can't be one thing and do the opposite. We have assurance as his children, as followers of Jesus, that our God will comfort us in times of need. And this divine comfort that Paul promises us in 2 Corinthians is actually the ancient Greek word paraklesis. Say that with me. Paraklesis. And paraklesis actually... Um, has the idea in Corinthians and elsewhere in the New Testament is always being more than just soothing empathy or sympathy. It has the idea of strengthening, of helping, of building up and coming alongside. And the idea behind this word is communicated best through the Latin word for comfort, which is fortis, and actually means brave. And so when Paul says that God is the Father of all comfort, he's saying that our God is a paraclete. So paraclesis is comfort, and one who gives that comfort is a paraclete. And we know that in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is also a paraclete, our advocate, our comforter. Jesus says so in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And just as we know the Holy Spirit is a paraclete, so too we know that the Son, Jesus, is a paraclete, our helper, our advocate, the one who comes alongside us when we are suffering. And that's according to 1 John 2.1, Hebrews 2.18, and Luke 2.25. And so we see through these verses that God, in every facet of His being, in every part of His nature, from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is full of comfort and strength for us, for you, for me. We have assurance as Christ followers that God will comfort us because God is comfort. I think it's important in this moment to pause and take a little bit of an aside to bring some clarity to this issue of prayer in suffering, comfort in suffering. Because with verses like these and a lot of other verses, there's the potential to put a foundation for some very bad theology of taken to the extreme. So let me be clear with you this morning, church, that our desire or need for comfort from God or from others is not a sign of spiritual immaturity or a, uh, the presence of self-centeredness in our souls. As Christ followers, every one of us, myself included, is not 
spared from real pain and heartache in this life. We're not Superman. When life hurts, we hurt. We bleed. We mourn. We taste the bitterness of loss when we lose someone unexpectedly, just like every other person does. And these difficulties that we experience, these hardships that we encounter, which is such a farce that's presented in so many different circles of Christianity, it's not an invitation, church, to put on a false face, a fake smile, and pretend like you're okay. It's one of the reasons here at Mosaic we say it's okay to not be okay. If that were not so, or if it was a lack of faith, as some people might say, to express our need for comfort, then our Heavenly Father would not graciously and mercifully lavish it upon those who call upon His name through Christ Jesus. Suffering is an invitation to turn to the source of all comfort, to drink deeply from His waters, and that is not a form of spiritual immaturity. Furthermore, it also bears uh, opportunity to pause and ask another question. When you encounter suffering, church, what source do you turn to? What source do you turn to when life hurts? Because when my car needs repairs, I don't take it to the grocery store. They can't do anything about that. When I want to watch a winning football team, hold on, I don't watch the Denver Broncos. I know you thought where I was going with that. And yet, as human beings, we have a strange tendency in our suffering to turn to every other source but the source for comfort. We seek to self-medicate our pain through turning to lesser sources like alcohol, substance abuse, our work, our relationships, money, and travel. And while all of these things are not necessarily evil in and of themselves, and why these things might provide some temporary relief, none of them can provide the lasting comfort that our souls so deeply desire because not one of those things can make the claim that it is the source of all comfort like our God can. Our God the God that we praise here this morning, our God alone, is the source of all comfort. And He is the only place where we can turn to receive that lasting comfort that our hearts so desperately desire. So we see from Paul's words here in 2 in Corinthians that God is the source of all comfort and that He offers comfort to all who call upon His name through Jesus. But here's the incredible part. Catch this. God doesn't stop there. And neither should our prayers. Paul says that God isn't only the comfort, doesn't only offer comfort and strength for us, but Paul says that God offers comfort and strength through us. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that God comforts us all in troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Church, one of the great purposes, not the only purpose, but one of the great purposes of God providing us comfort when we are suffering is so that we can bring comfort to others. 
It's an amazing thought. It's a mind-blowing thought. We let that sink in. That God's comfort is both given and received through other people. Through me. Through you. And this is huge. This has incredible ramifications, not only for our faith, but how we pray. Because in suffering, we may not like how that feels. It may be bitter to our souls. But if we shift perspective and begin to understand that God has a purpose for every circumstance and situation we face, it changes how we approach and pray about suffering. When I recognize that there is nothing that happens in my life that falls outside of the scope of God's will and His plans, even in suffering, I can begin to have hope that my God is at work. And it's at this point that our immaturity and even our self-centeredness in our prayers is most often exposed. No, it's not wrong to pray to God, to ask for comfort when we are hurting. But if our prayers never expand beyond that inward focus on self, we miss the greater purpose that God has intended to use our hardships and indeed our difficulties to bring comfort to other people. That's why Paul says in verse 7, our hope is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so too you also share in our comfort. You see, Paul was convinced that not only was God going to be faithful, eternally faithful to comfort the believers in Corinth, but Paul was convinced so much so that he asked and he prayed, God, Use my afflictions as a vehicle by which they might receive their help in time of need. But here's the other incredible part about it. Paul's sincere hope wasn't just that his suffering might bring comfort alone. It was that God might use his suffering to also bring about salvation for others. He writes in verse 6, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. You see, Paul recognized rightly that when people who are in distress, people who are hurting, taste the comfort of our God through our actions, through our love, it might warm their heart to a place that the Holy Spirit might grab a hold of them and shake them to recognize their need for a Savior. His suffering was more than just comfort. It was about the possibility of bringing salvation to others. And when I heard Paul's words this week as I was studying, I was reflecting. I remembered um, Denzel Washington's words from the movie Training Day where he says, I'm not playing chess, this is checkers. Or I'm not playing checkers, this is chess. And Paul, as he is talking about prayer and suffering, is not playing checkers. He's playing chess. His mind is continually forward-thinking several moves in advance about how God might use his actions, his suffering, to bring people into the kingdom of God. Even if it meant that he experienced pain. Paul had a Christian, a Christ-centered worldview that expanded the purpose of his prayers from inward to outward understood that when God comforts me, it's so that I can comfort we. 
Church, this morning, if our prayers in suffering only ever begin and end with me, as the primary focus of God's comfort, we are praying immature and short-sighted prayers because we're only truly praying half of God's intended purpose in our suffering. And in doing so, we might well be robbing others of receiving the blessing of God's comfort in their distress. We need to have that Christ-centered view of the gospel which expands the purpose of our prayers from inward to outward. That when we receive our paraclesis, our comfort from our paracletes, our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we might respond as fully mature believers in Christ and pray like Paul prayed, purposefully believing and asking that God would use our heartache to redeem our pain for the benefit of others. Church, this morning, that's what praying with purpose and suffering looks like when we move to believe that God comforts me so that we can comfort we. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.